Welcome to the Go Low Show, where it's about golf, grit, and your pursuit of greatness. My name is Kyle Alderink, and I am your co-host, along with my man, John Weir, mental game coach extraordinaire. And in this podcast, we're going to show you everything that you need to know about how to go low in your golf game. And we're excited to bring you that show right now. Expect anything different? Is it his time? Yeah! All right, it's time to go. Ian Weinberg, welcome to the Go Low Show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So we just kind of want to start with getting a little kind of where you're at with your game. Um, And you are an ESFJ, correct? Correct. Yep. Gotcha. So just tell us a little bit kind of about your game, what you're up to, um, where you're at, all that stuff. Yeah. So um, I am an amateur golfer. I play in competitive events, you know, a lot of USGA events, a lot of local events um, around town here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, it is off season for me uh, mm-hmm. as we start to get the snow in here. Right. Um, so a lot of uh, evaluating my game from the season, taking on the next year um, right now, just, you know, trying to learn and understand who I am as a golfer so I can be better on the competitive aspect. I think, Looking back on this year, you know, I played in a lot of events where I played really good golf throughout the summer and stretches going into an event. I was playing great golf. And then all of a sudden it felt like foreign to me. Right. Uh, as I got out on the golf course. So how do I get better at that? I mean, I think the skill is there. I put in hard work. You know, I hit balls all the time. I practice, but I need to have a better process and feel comfortable out on the golf course. And, and that's how I got into this. Gotcha. So what what happens when you don't play well? What, what's the things you start to see? Um, a lot of nerves, uh, some errant shots in there. Um, and it just doesn't feel like the work that I put in feels comfortable in a sense of, Hey, you know, where's the club. And then it turns into results. Um, example, you know, playing in the U S amateur qualifier this year, I was a couple under going into my 16th hole and I hit a cold shank into the woods. Um, but you know, I ended up missing it after that but I bounced back with a birdie. So I know it's a lot of mental aspects, but I didn't feel comfortable, right? I wasn't hitting it how I normally do. Um, wasn't hitting my spots, but somehow I was scoring well. And I attribute that to my mental game really versus my physical game. Yeah. hundred percent. I bet in those situations, at least with what you just said, you were a lot more supportive staying in that situation than getting real critical about what those results were. So yeah. I would say like, uh, I would speculate with your type. Um, sometimes things start getting errant when you start worrying a little bit about where that ball's going. Like you said, where's this club face? What if I can't deliver it proper? And then as those results kind of start leaking away, I bet you get quiet and probably start getting pretty darn critical. And then even more of an emphasis on score, which takes you more into outcomes and then another bad result and more critical. Is that yeah, absolutely. I catch myself looking into the future a lot. Right. And I think going through, you know, the trainings and the, the stuff that you guys put together is, is how do I take a step back and right and, and look at those stressors that, that you guys call them and, and how do I evaluate that and how do I practice that in the off season to get myself ready to play competitive golf is, is really where I'm at at this point. Sure. So I think the first thing is to step back and look at what do you need to do well? Okay, first thing we need to have is a really good plan in place. 
And especially even coming down the stretch of an event, right? As we're starting to deal with nerves, I would encourage you to start begin developing a plan as those things emerge on how we're going to confront that. Uh, so the very first thing is, is begin defining the steps of your routine, right? Because ultimately at the end of the day, the counter to the outcome thinking is getting back into the steps. And you're going to have a lot more confidence by doing that because as a sensor, you're more of a linear person. It's, it's when you start putting the outcome ahead, it's like algebra, you're starting with the answer, things kind of get jarbled up. But if you're looking at the recipe or the steps to produce your outcome, you're going to tend to feel a lot more comfortable inside. And it gives you more of a roadmap that you can check off your responsibilities through each one of those zones. So first thing is, is decision-making is probably going to be changing when things are starting to slip. And so for a sensor, there's a big expansion of focus, okay? So you start maybe picking up a lot more on your hazards or seeing the two flights, the one that you want to hit and the one you want to avoid, right? And again, that creates a split mind. So the brain doesn't really have a recipe to follow. It's like, are you going to make barbecue chicken or are you going to make fried chicken, right? It, it gets confused and it makes it really difficult. So one thing you want to do is, is be very specific in your decision-making and, and verbalize start lines, finish lines, maybe even intermediate spot. But as that extrovert, as you talk out your specifics, again, it's going to give you a lot more comfort and it's going to narrow that focus to give you something clear. So the more narrow your focus becomes, the easier it is for you to connect with a feel or a simple move. And I'm sure whenever you're playing great, like you said, you're aware of where the club head is um, and you're feeling that and you know, as I feel that, it's gonna produce a nice result. We don't feel that when there's an expansion in our decision-making. So oftentimes performance down the stretch in a pressure situation starts there. So if there's an expanded focus or we don't get those options narrowed, it's really hard to get to that feel because you're going to get over the ball and your brain's still searching for those data points. It's still searching for the specificity you need to feel comfortable and just get into the field. Does that make sense? So there's yeah. a lot more activity going on at address. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do. When I'm playing my best, I pick a target, have a you know one swing thought and go. Um, when I start to get into these competitive fields or tournaments, you know, I, I get a little loose, right? And I'm worried, like, hey, I'm not, am I hitting it as far as I was? You know, if I'm carrying a number, am I hitting it less because I'm tensing up? And and how do I do that? And how do I practice it? I guess are my my big questions while we're indoors during this time, right? Well, part of it would still be starting with building the habit of defining exactly what you want to do before stepping into the shot. So even as you're doing your indoor work or working on the track man and things, get clear, get specific, because what you're doing is you're preparing yourself to make that your habit come the season time, right? The next thing we want to do is, is once you got that, that clarity, you got to say, okay, well, what's my priority with my move, right? You're going to define that, rehearse it till you're feeling it. And then what we want to do is for you as a sensor, we want to practice playing or saying player side. So getting over the ball, practicing the breathing, and then keeping our awareness on that simple responsibility. The way you want to track it is, is let's say you hit some errant shots, right? Or even after every shot you hit, it doesn't matter if it's on the course or in practice, you want to take a step back and say, well, was I player side or target side? 
And you want to begin evaluating that and, and building the habit of staying player side. And eventually it's going to transform potentially into automation where it becomes a habit. And now the mind is just grooved on feeling the club head, right? You're, you're eliminating that tendency of going out. And over time, you'll be more aware when you start getting more outcome or shape-based or where's it going. Um, good, good indicators are if you're over the, the ball and you have any questions, it's a call to back out. We're, we're needing clarity. So sometimes it's like, what if I hit it over there? Am I aligned proper? These things would be indicators that we're starting to get target side. Okay. And we're moving yeah. away from our responsibility. So some of that is stepping back and, and pinpointing one of those areas, either in your routine or you really want to focus on, I specifically say player side, target side would be a great tracker. And then also you could add in that decision-making, like, did I actually get clear there or was I still, you know, leaving it the chance? And yeah. that's a real big thing. And then I'd also say too, I would have you evaluate, you know, the past season how much are you utilizing your best function? So your, your number one function is extroverted feeling. I bet you're a big time people person. You're probably yep. a great talker. People probably love you. You go into a place, everybody gets to know you probably pretty quick. When we get in pressure, we for, sometimes forget, especially you, that talking and the people are your assets. They're your pressure diffusers. So I would have you go back and, and review some of those rounds where there was struggle closing out a round, Okay. Where were you as far as just verbalizing and socializing? Were you still engaging and staying engaged with the action going on or even complimenting, doing different things? Because these things are, are diffusers for you. They actually make you relax and bring you back into more of who you are. But I would speculate when the pressure is really mounting, we're getting a little more self-contained than we need to be. And that self-containment entertains those possibilities a lot more. And so you yeah. want to see your competitors kind of like your assets. And even if they're introverted, you want to talk, set the tone, talk to them, engage them, uh, do different things in between shots, because that's going to burst that pressure bubble. You kind of ease up and can breathe. And then when you get to that shot process, we have our plan in place. We're going to get really narrow and specific. We're going to define that feel. And then when we get over the ball, we're going to commit to that knowing I'm doing one, two, three, it's going to produce a really good result. Yeah. And then go That's back great. to chatting away, right? And, and go back mm -hmm. to doing that. And one other great strategy too, just to bring up is recalling past successes is, is a wonderful thing for you to do. Or if you're getting off even in your practice, take a moment, step back. If you're hitting your six iron, use your amazing memory. I bet you have like a filing cabinet memory, especially at least with interactions with people. You could probably bring up conversations from, you know, 10 years ago, and know exactly what was going on and the details. Use this tremendous memory of yours. Go into that filing cabinet and say, you know, when was the best six iron I have ever hit? And get back into that for a moment, get that recall. And as you start feeling that confidence, you're probably even thinking it now. You're like, oh yeah, it felt great. <laughs> yeah. now, now go step into the shot, okay? Take that confidence from that success, step into the shot, bring it with you. As a sensor, it's all about what do I know? That's the stuff you trust. And what do you, what can you know for sure? Your past experiences. And you look at those things. And even if it was a negative experience, you say, well, Hey, I remember that, but I learned, I need to talk a little bit more, or I need to stay supportive here. That's what I'm putting into play. 
But um, I remember Lucas Glover was talking about, I mean, before he won the U.S. Open or when he won the U.S. Open, he said, I recalled a successful shot from every single before every shot I hit. And he's an ISTJ, I believe, but in a similar routine family as you. And so using that recall ability can fuel a lot of confidence. So this is another great practice thing. Think about a great shot, start feeling that confidence. And once you're eliciting the feeling, then step into the ball. What you're doing is, is you're training yourself to recall success and bring it. And you're going to be amazed. You start conditioning your green zone with a whole heck of a lot of confidence. And it's a fun activity you can do, but it's also a wonderful thing to diffuse pressure, get yourself into you using your best functions and then just follow in your simple steps. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, I try to do that and I take it back to, you know, trying to incorporate, incorporate them to practice rounds, you know, when I start getting ready for tournaments, I don't know how, how you guys deal with that, where, you know, you, Hey, maybe hit a couple tee shots and you hit two in a row and you're like, all right, I'm going to remember that one and just kind of store it in the bank and, and try to take it with me. Um, but yeah, those are all great points. And you hit it right on the head. I mean, that's who I am, right. That's that hit it right there without even, you know, in a, 10 minute conversation. Yeah. And, and take time to actually write them out. Like I think a great activity today would be like list out and hand, write As many experiences as you can that were successful from mental game to pure shots to clutch putts. I mean, write your highlight list because the more you write that out, it gets embedded more into your brain, especially if you hand write it. And it's a great thing to do because for whatever reason, um, those things start popping up into our mind. We, we recall them when we need to. And, and the other thing is, is because we have so many thoughts going on in our day, you taking the time to write that out, your subconscious says, wow, this is an important thing, right? Out of all those 50,000 thoughts, I'm, I, he's writing this down. This is getting stored into the mind. And those are great things to go back and reference, especially if you're struggling, you know, get, recall that highlight list. And, and it's a, it's a skill and, you know, it's just building the muscle. And once you know where to put the energy to, we can keep increasing the success more and more. Those are all great points. And, and I wrote that down here. I mean, just to do that. Right. And I'll definitely take that back and see how I can, you know, incorporate that in, into my game and, and, and incorporate it into my practice. I think that's, that's a big thing. I, I practice a lot. Um, I hit a lot of balls. Um, I putt, I use numbers. Um, and, you know, one of the things I was reading about in, in the trainings was start to look at numbers, right? That's kind of a, a bad feeling for me, but I practice so much of that now. How do I transition myself from thinking about numbers and, you know, how far am I hitting it or what shot shape or what launch angle or putting face or whatever, maybe in, incorporate that into my practice routine to more feeling, you know, concepts um, when I am practicing. Well, I would just say in this regard, the data and all these things are good, but we're looking at thinking and feeling as a decision-making function. Okay. So like when you're on the course, the, the distinction would be this. Okay. You can look at all the data points that you feel comfortable with. That's fine. It's, it's kind of your third function, okay, is looking at some of those things externally. It's, but it's like quicksand, okay? That function is more of a complementary function to you as the third one, okay? But if you start standing on that or relying on it too much, it starts pulling you down in the stress 
and it's going to be likely to, you know, get you in your head a little bit more. What I would say is, is you want to look at your ultimate decision factor is going to be trusting your emotional intelligence, because there's probably been times on the course, let's say you're on the par five and you're, you're trying to think of, should I go for it here or should I lay back? And let's say logically it's the right thing to go for it and take it on. But you have like, I'm not really hitting my three wood all that well, but the numbers say I should go for it. There's not really that much trouble up there, but in the gut and in the core, it's saying this is a bad idea, right? But you feel more comfortable doing the layup shot, even though it might not be the most logical or to those data points. If you hit that three wood, I would speculate, if you go back into your memory, that three wood's always gonna turn out lousy. And you're gonna say, why did I hit that? I knew I wasn't comfortable. And so the data points are good, but what, at the end of the day, at least on the course, what you wanna be trusting is that decision or that option that gives you a peace inside because that's you utilizing your emotional intelligence. And if you think about in life, this is kind of probably where you get to. You, you probably are checking inside to see how it's gonna make people feel or yourself or the relationships, but you check it here. And that gives you the barometer of what's right and what would be wrong, let's say, in the situation. So it's good to have the data points, but at the end of the day, check the, the solar plexus and trust that. That will, will never lie to you out on the golf course. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. And I, I see that a lot with course management, right? I mean, you learn, I'm, I'm always learning. I'm always trying to get better and I'm always trying to figure out how can I improve my game and you know, a lot of the statistical data that comes out now with what shot you should hit going forward on a par five, there's no trouble. You can carry it, get it up to the green over time. Your score is going to be better. Next thing you know, I flail one way, right. It goes out of bounds or, you know, it just is a shot that I'm not accustomed to hitting. So that, that's a really good point. I, I have to incorporate that into my you know thought process and course management as well, um, which I think will help me ultimately in tournaments. If I can feel good and drive that confidence, the better I'll be. Well, you're going to get a lot more success with what's rooted in confidence for your type. You know, it's just going to produce a lot more results and give you that comfort to be able to settle in. Um, mm -hmm. Again, one other point is, is with feelers and thinkers, some of the differences, uh, what I've noticed was, was feelers are a lot more driven by their own personal measures of success. They tend to see things a little bit more on a on a gray scale or a sliding scale rather than things being black and white or competent or not, right? So I would start looking at, yes, the tour statistics or different things are great measures, but I would start honing in on a lot more of what are your personal indicators of success? What are your indicators or measures that you're making progress and growing? And I think you'll find yourself a lot more motivated and driven by looking at those. Um, now, again, you have nice benchmarks, but like, let's say a thinker, they're driven, let's say, to be the best. Feelers tend to be driven to be my best or our best. And if you kind of put it a little bit more towards your own personal measures, it's a lot more motivating. I think you can see that. And then you can be building on the successes rather than looking at some arbitrary number out there and using that as a benchmark or whether you should feel good or not, or whether you're performing or not. Um, I think if you're hitting on your personal measures, you have a complete like confidence and peace out on the course, you're going to you're going to produce better results and score better with those two measures uh, than looking at, you know, some statistical data point. 
like a 300 yard drive is a great drive. Well, may, may not be, you never know. You might be just as good with one that's 285 in the fairway, whatever. Um, and it doesn't gonna, it's not going to take away your scoring. But if we get stuck on a number, let's say it has to be 300 for me to feel good about it. Well, now we're creating up this system of good, bad, right, wrong, which is basically your stress. It's just going to kind of lock you down. Yeah. And, and taking that, like, how do I adjust myself? Because I find myself going down a hole where I hit a bad shot and then it kind of builds onto the next. And then, you know, I'm not confident and resetting that, you know, I keep reading about how do I kind of take restart each shot, right? How do I, if I hit a bad shot, accept it, understand what I did wrong, move on. But then sometimes my brain flips as I'm starting to think more as the next shot, right? Then I hit another poor shot and I get on a, a bogey train, let's say, you know, how do I, what are some good key points for me for how, who I am and, and based off of, you know, my mental type to reset that when I'm playing? Well, it's going to be really starting to establish and you can start this in your off season too, with the, the acceptance portion of each shot. So the big thing is, and where you really need to develop a ton of muscle is training your mind to look for the good thing first or creating a sliding scale of success of one to 10, let's say, of how successful the shot was. But you have to train your mind to always, always, always start with good. When you get on those wrong tracks, you start probably with a generalization or some sort of linking like, oh, I did that. That means this. And then there's like this jump ahead. Right. And because that happened, I did it wrong. What did I do wrong? And it starts to critic. And when we start with evaluating from that standpoint, we never get to the good. And for a feeler, okay, feelers are builders by nature. So they have to be building and building on what's working. They like to look at what's going on well and start making the other areas better and, and stacking. They're not really fixers. We kind of, I'm a feeler myself. We kind of get like down and we feel critical when you go, that's wrong, right? Thinkers are more by nature can see what's wrong and they like to fix it and correct it because they're more objective in their standpoint of things. So they don't take it as personal. But once you go, I did that wrong, now your brain starts that spiral, okay? And so we completely neglect any good aspect. Now, just because we're starting with good doesn't mean it has to be perfect, right? So what do we do? Well, I, hey, I, I was aware of where my club head was there. That was really good, but I did it maybe on about a seven out of 10. I'm gonna build upon that and do it with more confidence on this next one. Um, we're looking at what was working and what we want to improve. And this kind of stays in a more positive context for us out on the golf course. And so we want to watch when we want to make generalizations or these, these connections that really don't have any meaning. And, and you get back and say, well, what did I do good? I did this well. Well, I know what to do in my process now going forward and my steps are good. I'm just going to lock that down. But the post-shot acceptance is a really big thing. So Again, it has to stay within a building nature. These are some examples. You might have some other ways of doing it, but you could think of your feeler's confidence. I like to use the analogy. It's like a balloon. <laughs> we, once you, you're blowing it up and blowing it up and then it's expanding and it gets really big, but we, on the course, we start leaking it out by going, oh, I was wrong. Oh, that was bad. Uh, what if I keep doing this? And that balloon starts letting out air and it takes a lot more work once we've leaked out too much 
to sometimes build it back up on the golf course. But if you can start with, you know, what was working, what did I do good, then go to your areas of improvement, that balloon stays expanded. It's not taking away from your confidence there. Yeah, it makes, and so I'd start implementing that as like a habit after like every shot, even in practice, say, you know, what was good about that? And if there wasn't a great shot, we'll find some area because every single shot has some area of success, even if it was low. You did something well. And if you start there and build on it, that that's that's you staying supportive. That's you staying to your keys. And uh, when you can build that into the plan, um, it, it really goes a long way. Yeah. Building it into the plan, you know, um, watching the videos or when I go practice. Right. And I have two hours in a, a time frame. Um, you know, I have some technical things and I always get caught on the technical aspect of it. You know, I'm going to work on some sort of swing change or something that I'm doing to improve my game. Um, I do that and I say, I'm going to do it for 20 minutes. Then I start, okay, now it's 40 minutes. Now it's an hour and 10. And my practice has now gone into frustration or it's been really good, right? Sometimes when I'm hitting it really good, I continue to, to practice that. What are some good practice thoughts? Like when I'm indoors and saying, Hey, you know what, I'm going to set this time and stick to it and not have those stressors. I would say when it comes to practice, right? Not so much on the golf course. And how do I incorporate that? to make sure that I'm doing the right things. Kyle, this is your expertise yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah, man. Practicing indoors, believe me, that's, uh, that's been me for a long, long time. Um, you know, the biggest thing is to, to actually set kind of that timetable on what you're going to work on in, especially with the technique. If you have feedback, you should need more than 10 to 15% of your time on that. And by feedback, I mean, do you have a specific drill that you know, puts you in the right spots of what you're working on because the truth is and a lot of people don't want to accept this but motion doesn't change a lot it just really doesn't like setups change grips can change but actual motor motion just does not change a lot john and i have an episode talking about that on the earlier seasons but like stress can break down how we move and things so it's like if i know these are a couple checkpoints that i hit it well then what you need to do is move into the things that John was talking about and working on your player side focus. My biggest recommendation, especially when you start practice, is don't have any numbers, no feedback, anything. Just purely do I have the feedback that my swing's in the right spot? Because when that's the only thing you can evaluate and you have something there that's giving you that guidance, like uh, a bag in the way or something, and just for clarity, not using anything as a crutch, but just like you know, having a stick in the way where if I get off plane, I hit the stick, you know, so you're getting good reps, you know, you're clearing that thing. It's like, okay, got it. Now I'm getting into my process. Now I'm going through my player side move and just purely tracking that. And like John said, defining it on paper, because when you have it defined, now you can objectively measure it. Did I just focus purely on the club face? Like that's my job. And then lastly, what you want to do is you want to start to test that. Can I do that 10 times in a row, 15 times in a row, 20 times in a row? And you keep upping the bar with that because if you can step up there and go, I can stay player side this many times and then I know it's solid and then I flip on my numbers. Now I know the numbers are good. Like you build a crazy confidence over that. Yeah, that's that, that's what I've been trying to incorporate after going through all the trainings and, and watching the videos and, and reading about them, right? Is I, I do try to incorporate where I don't have a screen on. And I've got a cone behind me to work on path, right? And then I start doing that. I'm like, okay, I, I hit some goals, did it for 10, 20 minutes. Now I'm going to go to that player side, start going into, you know, challenges myself, 
hit a couple poorly and all of a sudden I'm back to that technical side. Right. So then I go back thinking about it, which, which is where I struggle with, with within my practice. And then I look at the clock and I'm, you know, thinking technical versus thinking mental or thinking process. Well, the big question for you then would be, were you truly to your player side move and did it stay consistent? You know, when you, when you, like John always talks about the first level learning is you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know that's an evaluative state, then you won't know if that's what's actually causing that. If your thoughts are just jumping all over the place, then that's not really your technique, but that's all we know as golfers, right? Run and fix your swing. So yep. like understanding that and the things and the exercise John gave you will bring such a clarity to that. Now you can really mm -hmm. understand, like I might be missing this because my thoughts are bouncing all over the place. And guess what? If it's doing that practice with no pressure indoors, it's really going to do that when the, when the heat's turned up on you. Corporate and, and take all this and, and continue to learn and, and, you know, that's my goal. I mean, I'm, I'm a golf nut, probably like most, right. And I always want to learn and, and get better. And, you know, I set some goals tournament wise, you know, for me, and, you know, those are further out for next year. Um, but how do I, you know, start thinking about goals and short-term versus long-term, right? Hey, goal is to play in a, you know, USGA event and get to the quarterfinals. That's eight months from now, you know, maybe a year, right. But how do I start thinking about goals to make myself better short-term and long-term to lead up to, you know, the overall, you know, what are some thoughts on, on that? I'd say you start with your end in mind that you already have. And now you start, that's your kind of your milestone goal, right. Or an outcome goal. I like to call it. Now what you got to do is start chunking it back and start looking more at your process goals to get to that point. Okay. And those are going to be your daily roadmap. My question with practice too is, is, how clearly defined is your practice plan as a J? You're going to stick to a plan more. Um, think of it kind of like seeing meetings with clients or different things like regiment that, put a timetable to it. You'll be more productive as a J and you, you're not going to feel like you're spinning your wheels or, or getting off track. So definitely implement a plan. Um, but I would start chunking it back into more process goals. To achieve that goal, one, you're going to have to train yourself to be player side, right? So bringing this as, as a combination of your swing practice and everything, um, learning to get more specific and then tying in some of those uh, post-shot goals. These would be things in conjunction you are practicing every time you go, not just with the swing, because your mental game's 24-7. And again, to, to reinforce Kyle's point, um, you have to define that process and, and be aware of that now so that you can have that barometer or that way of distinguishing, is this technique breaking down? Or again, is it my mind creating stress? The more you hone in on this, the easier it is to discern what you need to be doing in order to make that improvement. And so it, it has to be on the mind a little bit more, but as you go, it's gonna become more and more of your habit. And those would be those things. What do I need to become that guy to achieve that goal? Bring it back. What are those my daily steps? And then really define a practice plan and work on sticking to it. Because again, even if you're, you're a little bit off, transition into the next phase because it's you, again, developing that mental muscle to stick to your plan. As you look at that translates to the course, it's you not deviating from that plan when things are going awry or adversity is hitting. All of these things begin to work together in a cumulative fashion over time. And that's what's going to help you reach that goal. Uh, if you stay too far in the future, like on the course, I want to win or I want to get my best score. 
it, it can create stress over time. So again, it's the same practice, bringing it back. Yeah, I want to do that. That's great. How will I get it? Lock this process down. Yes, I want to win that tournament. Be prepared. How am I going to do it? The discipline to my player side here, or discipline to the way I'm working my steps. So I'd always be bringing it back into what you're in control of and bringing it into the process. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I appreciate this, guys. It's it it really is eye opening. It's nice to hear it. Um, you know, things I'm going to incorporate in my daily you know practice, um, daily, weekly, and 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 work on those goals, and and hopefully you know see some better results and and feel confident. I think that's the big thing for me is just continue to build that confidence as I go forward. Yeah, well, you'll Ian, be it was, I know. It, it. Yeah. It was great talking with you. We got to run, but um, you know, again, if you need anything, make sure to reach out. Uh, love to keep track of your progress and, and your uh, successes. Well, dude, thank you for the time guys. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Ian. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, take care. Okay, so hopefully you're seeing the importance of knowing yourself and knowing your mental golf type. So if you have not yet, make sure to get on our website, mentalgolftype.com. Take that free assessment so you can understand these traits by yourself. You'll get some really cool free information right off the bat to help understand how you are wired, some of your strengths, some of your stressors. And if you um, are interested in coming on the show and learning a little more about yourself as well, um, just check out our website also under the podcast tab at the top and there is a uh, request form to come on the show as well so if you're ever interested in being a guest on the go low show make sure to head to that website make sure you know your mental golf type but thank you all for following the go low show we will see you next week with another student and some great lessons for you